Welcome to this episode of The Allied Show. My name is Chris McCarroll and I'm joined by Melanie Dimmitt, author of Special. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. No problems. So um, your first published book, I believe, Special, um, the description that I've managed to find is a a candid companion for parents um, who are coming to terms with their child's disability. So can can you tell me a little bit about um firstly why you wrote the book and then um let's dive into what the book is about absolutely so special is the companion or the book that I wanted and needed when my uh then six-month-old son Arlo was diagnosed with cerebral palsy what would soon become apparent was quite severe quadriplegic cerebral palsy uh so when we first got his diagnosis I was really upset in denial for a long time, very unaccepting, was of the wildly misinformed belief that disability was a bad thing. So I was reeling and I'm a a writer, a journalist, magazine um, background. So, you know, a lot of the time what I do to sort out my thoughts is to write. And I thought, well, if I, you know, reach out to other parents who are doing this thing, who are raising kids with disabilities and interview them and, you know, ask them, how the hell did you get through the early stages of coming to terms with this? You know, please tell me you feel better now. Give me all your coping strategies and advice and hindsight. Um, you know, I thought that might help me. And I started doing that and it, it certainly did. And I reached out to more than 50 parents living all over the world, raising kids with all kinds of disabilities And, you know, as I was chatting with each of these parents, they were all in, you know, wildly different scenarios, but common themes were coming up. We tended to go through a similar um, journey, as much as we hate that word, uh, in emotionally processing a diagnosis or a child who was traveling a different path. And, um, you know, time and time again, these parents would say to me, it's okay. Like, I promise you, it's awful at the start. It gets better. This isn't what you think it is. And it was so reassuring. And, I started putting these interviews together and and a real book started forming. And then I pitched it around and got a book deal a lot quicker than I thought. So then quickly had to make it into a a whole real book and lovely, yeah, Ventura published it and it came out in 2019. So it's been a little while now, but yeah, that sort of propelled me into the disability sector. And mm. I now do a lot of work for a wonderful um, disability support platform called Higher Up. And, you know, I've over the years of being my son Arlo's mom and spending a lot more time in the space and meeting a lot more um, adults with disability and young adults with disability, I feel like I'm starting to sort of understand a bit more, you know, what this is. And it's certainly not what I thought it is. Disability is a part of our world, it's a part of being human. It is not at all a bad thing. Um, we need support, we need inclusion. So that's a lot of what I'm working toward now and in my newer projects. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think it's just it's um fascinating and wonderful how your life can lead you in a completely different direction. You know, um, so you know, Arlo's taking you down this path of um, working in this sector and, and helping as many people as you can and and making an impact that way. Um, you know, it's just amazing how how life works like that. Um, it is. It's never what I thought I ever would have wanted. You know, when Arlo got his diagnosis, I thought it was the worst thing in the world. I thought our lives were over. I thought his life was over. And it's just, 
he has taught me and the years have taught me and all these other parents and people in the space have taught me that I was a, I was a freaking idiot before. I had no idea. My eyes, I had such a narrow-minded um, view of what it was to be a person and to be a happy so-called successful person in this world. And he has completely blown my mind, opened my mind, opened my eyes to what the world actually is. And I'm I'm so grateful. And it scares me to think that I might not have known this. Yeah. And so like um, what was one of the common themes that you found came through um, really strongly with some of the parents when you were writing the book? Um, staying in the moment was a massive coping strategy because I think a lot of the discomfort and fear we get in this scenario is we imagine or we try to imagine what the future will look like. And, you know, when you, we have a newborn, the prospect of, you know, your child not walking or not talking is, is very frightening, but you don't need, you don't actually need to think about that when you're holding, you know, a gorgeous newborn. So a lot of the time parents would say, just stay in the moment, just stay with your kid, just look in their eyes, just try and enjoy, you know, the beautiful child that you have here with you. Hmm. Don't know what the future holds. And I've certainly learned that, you know, my worst fears did come true. I have a five-year-old now who is non-verbal and non-mobile. He uses a wheelchair, but he's, he's gorgeous. He's happy. He's bright and we're happy. Um, I didn't need to worry about all that stuff then. And, you know, I wish I hadn't. And, you know, I had this beautiful child. So yeah, staying in the moment was a big one. Um, Something, another topic that came up that formed a chapter was comparison. It is so hard when you're raising a baby or a child in a world that is designed around very rigid milestones, you know, buying nappies for Arlo that were called crawler nappies or walker nappies. It just stung every single time. And that's something that you know, parents in all different sorts of situations. And same with siblings. If you have, you know, a typically developing child versus a child who's got a disability, it it can be tricky watching them, you know, growing up together and certain milestones being met and not being met. So, yeah, comparison was a, a big thing um, that parents spoke about, particularly at the start. Um, but, you know, again and again from everyone I spoke to, there was sort of this understanding that I called it like a secret society. You know, this is not a club you ever want to join, but you realize once you're in it, like how incredible this actually is and that you just get this experience of parenthood that is extreme at both ends. It can be extremely painful and unfair and awful at times when your child is sick and things like that. But you also get, you know, you feel everything a hundred times more when -hmm. your child does, you know, have a success and, we're really living, you know, we get so much joy and we understand the world better and we understand other people better and we don't worry about petty stuff anymore. Like it's just, it's it's an amazing experience that you just never would have known had you not been sort of thrown off the, the typical life trajectory. Yeah, it, it changes your focus on what you actually care about, I imagine. Honestly, um, yeah. Yeah, which must be pretty powerful, especially when, um, so was Arlo your first child? Yes. Yeah. So going into that, um, you know, that in itself, you know, having your first child is is a lot. So, you know, when you when you then, you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what's happening, you know, that that's very typical. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're put into a different um, mindset of, you know, I need to do everything for this little person. 
Yes. And that's frightening at the start. You sort of think, oh my gosh, I'm the only person on the planet who's going to be able to keep my child alive. You know, a lot of the work I'm doing now is to raise awareness around disability support. We have the most incredible disability support worker who works with Arlo and has just made all of our lives so much better. And that's why the work I'm doing through Hire Up is like, we need to tell parents at the start of this thing, it's okay. Your child is going to have like a whole team of supports around them and they'll be loved and they'll, you know, have all these incredible adventures and experiences that won't all be on you to provide everything for them. So yeah, it is scary at the start though. Like you say, you sort of, you feel like you're all alone and that no one else understands and that it's just going to be you looking after your kid forever. And it's so not true. And I think, you know, you get so much comfort from talking to other parents as I did with special. And as I do now in, you know, the various networks I'm in. And as soon as you speak to another parent who's also traveling this sort of more unpredictable path, you feel so much better. That's just such a comfort. Yeah. So if we can then look into, I suppose, like what your project is now, um, can you, let's, let's kind of look at Blended. Yeah. So it's The Blend. The Blend. Um, Yeah. It's a magazine style resource for people and parents who are new to the tube feeding space. So Once again, I was thrown into a situation where I was scared, didn't know what the hell was going on, wasn't feeling so great. Um, About a year ago, we found out that Arlo would need a G-tube. He's been eating orally his whole life. Um, We were spoon feeding him, pureed food, working on his chew and swallow. It was all looking pretty good. And then we did a modified barium swallow um, x-ray just before his fifth birthday, and it revealed that he was silently aspirating on every single bite of food and sip of liquid that was going into him. So we very quickly had to have a G-tube inserted and he went from having breakfast, lunch and dinner every day to six bottles of commercial formula pumped into his stomach throughout the day. And it was a huge transition and it didn't go well. Formula did not sit well with him. We'd heard about blends, which is, you know, a newer trend of blending up real food and pushing it through the tube. But we were told time and time again from the medical professionals around us that we needed to get the commercial formula right first. And it was just a disaster. Arlo was having reflux on this stuff. We had to do it so slowly. He had to be tethered to this pump all day. We were admitted twice to hospital in the space of two weeks because he was not silently aspirating, very, very loudly aspirating Mm. on this stuff and we were getting he was getting chest infections it was a disaster luckily um the wonderful two peas had me on their two peas in a pod podcast yes, yes. in the middle of all this and i had a big old winch to them about how badly this transition was going and after the episode aired all of their incredible pea community gave me so much advice and one mum erin said to me look i'm sorry but i don't think the formula is going to work for you blend up his old food just a little bit thinner and push it in. And that gave me the confidence to to try it. And it just right from the get-go just worked. He was so much better. The reflux went away. And then we told our dietitian what we'd done. We went rogue. We told her and she sort of, you know, let out a sigh of relief and said, okay, now I can support you in a blended diet. Here are all these great recipes. And since we've moved to the blended diet. He's been great. He's put on weight. He looks fantastic. He's got color. So I guess what I wanted to do with the blend was 
talk about the option of blended fees, but more to the point, show people and parents who are new to this space a wide variety of options. You know, we were just sent away from the hospital with a carton of formula, see you later, Mm. feeling pretty crummy and sad about it all. I want people to see that there are families and people tube feeding having wonderful lives and, you know, quite ordinary lives. And it just means that they can be healthy. And there are so many options. Maybe formula is great for your kid. Maybe not. Maybe blends are great. Maybe not. Maybe a combination of both. The point is, I just think people need to be aware that there are so many different options and tube feeding is different for everyone. So I went out again, interviewed a bunch of parents who are tube feeding their kids, interviewed a bunch of of adults who are tube feeding themselves, interviewed a whole range of professionals in the tube feeding space for advice. Mm put it all together in the blend. And there's a directory at the end that has a whole bunch of useful products and services and resources for tubey families and people. So this wasn't as epic as the book. I actually found this easier because I have a background in magazines. I can put together a magazine. I called on my wonderful designer friend, Edie, to design it for me. So we got it out there in under a year. I found out about Feeding Tube Awareness Week being in February. And I was like, that was my deadline. We're getting this thing out and launched it today and thanks to wonderful sponsorship um, from higher up in cardinal health australia it's in print every human are distributing it through this week they're sending out a free one with each one of their orders this week which is so exciting so a wholesome blends um so it's out there and it's online as well um theblendmag.com free to read free to download i want it it's free for all parents and families i just wanted this to be out there and available for people and families like ours yeah, it's awesome. And I, I love that, um, you know, I think we're very similar when, you know, you come across something in your life and and you need to process it, then you just create, yes. you know, because it, that's your outlet, that's your way of, of processing it for yourself. But also you want to then go, you know what, I'm not going to be the only person going through this. How can I then help all of these other people who, you know, may benefit from, you know, me being able to communicate in a way that I can reach, you know, as many people as possible. Yeah, um, I, I love it. So. Look, I special and the blend were wholly selfish, I must say, at the start because I was just like, I need this information, I need this comfort, I need this community. But from the response, special's done so well, and the blend already is just being picked up. People are hungry for this information. You know, these are huge gaps in the space, and not only that, we need information, but we need good-looking information. So yes. often in this space, you, if you're lucky enough to be handed a pamphlet or something, it's ugly, boring. We need beautiful resources to show us that our lives are going to be beautiful. They're going to be varied. They're going to be real. And I just think, you know, I think we need to have good looking things in front of us to uplift us and inspire us and make us, you know, see the real potential of what these experiences can be. Yeah. And I think part of it is, and that's, and there's so much ugly design in healthcare mm-hmm. in general. And, you know, whether that's something that sits in the hospital, whether that's in private practice, wherever it sits, you know, it's that very generic, you know, done in Microsoft. Um, oh, like it was like publisher or it was like some old piece of software that you know that it was done in like this little kind of layout and it was done in 1993 and and that's kind of what's been handed out for the last 20 years. So how how are you meant to resonate with that? Like it's 
every, there's, there's yeah. beautiful content everywhere. We're surrounded by it. And then when you're given this, you know, a piece of paper, it, it doesn't it doesn't hit the same. So, you know, I love the fact that, you know, you're looking to, to make resources firstly accessible, talking about things and um, actually making them look like people want to read it. Yeah. I mean, The Blend is a lifestyle magazine. I mean, you know, it's, it's not as gorgeous as Vogue maybe, but it's pretty damn good looking. And I think we deserve that. We need the information and we deserve to have it in, you know, a sexy resource. Yeah. Why not? Like, I mean, there's, and again, there's so many different tools and, and ways that you can actually get beautiful design out there. And I think that's why, you know, it's a, a big part of what I'm kind of doing with Allied and what we're trying to do in the healthcare industry as a whole um, is just trying to breathe some life back in, you know, and I know it's the last couple of years have been a little bit hectic, um, but, you know, there's got to be like, let's make a shift and make it exciting because at the end of the day, you know, this is everybody's life. So if we can uplift in some way through storytelling or through design, then let's do it. Absolutely. And you've done a very nice job with Allied. Thank you. Magazine. Very nice design there. <laughs> it's, um, it, look, it was a, again, it started from, um, I was literally talking to health professionals every day and listening to the stories of, you know, what they were doing with clients and, and the outcomes that they were getting and knowing that they can't use that to tell stories themselves um, at a business level um, you know, I can get to know them as humans and tell their stories that way yeah. um, because they are making impact and they're making amazing impact. Like we said before, you know, you have a team of supports and a lot of them are allied health and healthcare professionals that form that team. Absolutely. We have our A team, as we call them, speeches, OT, um, physio like feeding specialists, so many, and they are just phenomenal and they don't get anywhere near enough credits. So I love that you are calling out these amazing people and featuring them and shining a light on their incredibleness. Yeah, it just it just wasn't happening. And I think now um, there's been a couple of things uh, the pandemic has helped. It's helped people firstly know how to use a QR code. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's been a massive resurgence. So, you know, well done. And then the second one is actually understanding what allied health is because it was always listed in, especially here in Australia, where it was an essential service was allied health. What is allied health? You know, there were so many questions still being asked about what is allied health? Is that a, is that like a, a business? Is that like a group? Like, what is it? So again, that's kind of helped us understand like who sits within that space um, because it was all over the news. Um, yes. and, you know, it just, that was never going to happen any other way. Yeah. It's given it some definition. And now all of our allied health therapists have had to be very clever because we see most of them via telehealth now. Mm. So they've adjusted to this whole new way of treating. And we certainly appreciate now doing most of the physical side of the appointments ourselves, just how down hard those guys work. So absolutely, we love our yeah. A-team. They, they make all the difference to this experience is when you find the right therapist. Yeah. And that's, that's very much, you know, what we're trying to do is, is just shine a light on people that are doing really cool things. And, um, I just want to congratulate you on what you've been able to achieve. Um, 
through your book, through the blend. Um, we'll definitely be doing everything we can to to help support that in the coming week to be able to get it out there, you know, from your deadline week um, to, you know, reach as many people as we possibly can and just showcase um, everything you've been working on. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for your support and happy Feeding Tube Awareness Week. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Chris.